Welcome to episode 15 of Helmet Theory Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Helmet Theory Podcast. We're super excited today. We've got Jamal Shipman from Survivor Season 39. We know that not everyone cares about Survivor. We are going to talk a little bit about that in the episode. But the more important topic we get to is racism and discrimination uh, in America. Now, we recorded this several weeks ago, so a lot's happened since then, but we thought this conversation was really important. If you don't care about the Survivor stuff and you just kind of want to get into the the, uh, deeper conversation, you can fast forward to about the 20-minute mark, and that'll put you right there where we're going to start talking about the deeper things. So we hope you guys enjoy this, and we'd love to know your thoughts. Here we go, Jamal Shipman. How are you, man? Uh, I'm okay. I'm okay. I took I took a little nap a little bit ago, so sorry for coming on a little late and looking a little discombobulated. But oh, you're great, man. Well, I'm I'm, I'm Matt. I've you, been emailing you. This is the other Matt. We're both Matts. I don't know. Yeah. If I told oh, you Matts. All right. So how do, how do we differentiate? How do we do? You can it? call me Nichols. You can call him Hep. You can call us both Matt. You can call us idiot. Idiot well, too. I'm, I don't care. It, it's going to be hard to not call you Kirsten because that's what your <laughs> yeah. Zoom name is. But, I know. Uh, this is my wife's uh, account. She uses. She does like yeah. web counseling and stuff like that. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, Nichols. That that works. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh. That's what we both call each other. We call each other by our last name, so that works. Yeah. Well, it's because you guys respect each other, so therefore. We start need to start calling Lucina Lucina. That's uh, <laughs> see, I don't know if Nichols is going to get that. Nichols, did you watch the season of Survivor? <laughs> no, I didn't. Oh. I, actually, I recognize actually I recognize you, so I think I might have like oh, okay. watched a little bit of it. I, right. I I've never actually been like a huge like reality TV show guy, but I boo. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I've just never been a big TV person in general. That's so. fair. That is fair. That is fair. It's it's funny. I, I that that makes a lot of sense. And and it's so funny because you know obviously now that I'm like have done Survivor, a lot of people who haven't seen it or don't watch it and they like find out they're like, oh, I'm so sorry, I don't watch. And I'm like, don't apologize to me. Like I don't care. Like, like they offended fine. you. <laughs> yeah. Like how dare you not watch? You know, twelve hours of reality TV. Like it's fine. Right. Don't. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, yeah. man, we're we're recording right now, so we'll just kind of jump into it. I guess by now, if people okay, are listening, great. they know that you are from Survivor. So, <laughs> without further ado, Jamal from are you are you from season thirty nine? Season thirty nine. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. Uh, they always Island run the together. Idols. Yeah, oh, yeah. There's, what a, there's good a lot season. of them. It was okay. It was okay. Yeah, no, it was good. It was good. I I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> I know what you mean when you say that, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about you, man. I'd love to hear just who you are as a person before we get into the survivor talk you can be you can be survivor jamal here in just a second yeah 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 um well yeah no, so i'm i'm jamal uh i am from new jersey that's where i grew up um but right now living out in providence rhode island uh so been out here for the last five years or so yeah um i currently work I do a, a weird job. I, I work as a uh, admission product area consultant for a software company uh, that provides database software for independent schools all across the world. Okay, Very we've got niche, a we've but, got a company in Little Rock. We're we're from Arkansas. Okay, great. And there's a company called Aptigy, and I think they do something similar. Are you familiar with Aptigy? 
I have never heard of Aptogee. No, they may no, not no. do that I've, same thing. <laughs> just... mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I, I feel like, I still feel like I just started. I started last summer, so I'm only uh, under a year in. So okay. I, I feel like a, a, an imposter or, or, you know, like a, I'm always amongst all these super nerdy techie people. And I'm like, I am not that, but I'll try. <laughs> yeah. I'll try to keep up. Uh, but it, it's fun. It's fun. I, I like doing it. You got that job after your Survivor stuff, right? That's right. That's right. So yeah. When- I, came, I came back came back from Survivor April 30th. And I stayed a month more at my job where I worked as an admissions counselor for um, an independent school in Providence, Rhode Island. And then uh, started this new job uh, just just a month after. So, yeah, that that was my my trajectory. So, so a lot, so a lot of life change. All of your millions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. No. It's, uh, <laughs> when I when I was doing when while the show was airing, I didn't obviously didn't tell anybody like what happened. So everyone was finding out every week you know, what happened, and so everybody was like. Well, you're still working here, so you probably didn't win. <laughs> Dang, dude, that sucks. <laughs> hey, and they, they were absolutely right. <laughs> That's I did so not crazy. win Survivor. Spoiler alert, everybody. Spo- yeah, didn't if you hadn't Survivor. seen it. Yeah. I just yeah. got, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to watch it any of it now that I know you didn't win. Okay, good. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Boycotting. I'm going to, I could go watch it again, dude. I'm just like. Yeah. yeah. Were, were you a super fan growing up or how did you get into it? Yeah. So I got into Survivor um, a little later. So I'm not like the super fan that like sure. started day one. I mean, this is what, 2000, this, this show started. Um, so I got into it a little later, maybe around like season 13 is when okay. I started watching Survivor. Um, obviously have since gone back and watched every season because you could do that now. Um, right. But yeah, I just got into it and it, I'm a psychology guy, right? So I'm, I, I majored in psychology and in college and have always been a counselor type person who was just fascinated by people and why they make the decisions they make and trying to like get into motivations and things and survivor for me. And, and, and like you, Nichols, I'm not, I'm not a reality show guy. Like I'm, I don't love all reality TV. It was something specific about survivor and the specific challenge that was this game that was so appealing and so uh i i i don't consider myself a reality star it's like no no no. i did survivor specifically like i'm not right. about to go do you know super housewives of wherever you know what i mean <laughs> like um <laughs> it's a very different thing that's cool i actually majored in the same thing and, and very similar to you in that aspect so I have a psychology degree and all that as well. So nice, nice. And I have yeah, a counseling we, Zoom account. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> we tend to find each other. We tend to congregate us as psychology types. Yeah, yeah. How funny. Well, I, I've actually heard some really cool stuff about you through just Hep describing some of the story of Survivor and what what all you went through on there. And yeah. we're going to talk about some of that on on this episode, but. Um, I'm curious to see just some of the things that you talk about that HEP might want to bring up. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we don't have to dive into that right now, HEP, but I just, I, I'm really excited about this. Well, let's, yeah, okay. l- let me, Thank let you. me do my fanboy stuff first and then we'll transition into the stuff that matters. <laughs> okay. Okay. Cool. Is that okay with it you, Jamal? It all matters. It all yeah. matters to somebody. Yeah. Yeah. That's go right. for it. Yeah. Let's get into it. Okay. So the things that I am really curious about, I actually, um, so I am like the reality star junkie. I, 
Survivor, Big Brother. I've been watching Survivor. That was my like, that's my roots. I came in on season two, watched Big Brother. And then somewhere in the mix, I got on all the Bachelor stuff. And, you know, it is what it is. And so mm-hmm. I, where there's reality television, I'm just, I'm a junkie. So I've got a little side project uh, podcast where we talk to people from Survivor and uh, Big Brother and stuff like that, and just kind of nice, just kind of super fan and nerd out. The stuff that I'm always curious about is stuff like obviously you said you came in season 13 or something like that, started watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah did did you apply for the show multiple times? Was it just like a one and done kind of thing? Like what what was the the mm-hmm. lead up to? I'm on an island competing for a million dollars. Sure. Yeah. No. The, the origin story, and then we all have different ones, which is really interesting to, to right. hear and then like stack them up against each other but i uh had applied for season 35 so i was on season 39 and they do two a season so this is they, they do two seasons a year so this is two years prior to when i was out there so i applied for season 35 only because a friend of mine heard about an open casting call at mohegan sun which is a, a casino out here in connecticut and they were just like oh they're doing an open casting call let's just go and I was like, no, we can't just go. It's Friday, you know, it's noontime on a Friday. You know, I didn't put in for vacation or anything. Um, and they were just like, no, no, let's go. It's two, two friends of mine. And I just was feeling, feeling like being a little bad, you know, feeling like, you know, I didn't have <laughs> anything going on. So I uh, played a little hooky from work and, you know, called in sick and we just hit the road and went to the casino. <laughs> on a Friday Friday morning, no less, uh, stood in line for this thing for like three hours. The line like wrapped around the entire casino. You know, we're like getting beer and like just hanging out. There's people from all over the place um, there just to try out for Survivor. So of course I get there and I'm like, no chance. There's there's no way in, in the heck that I'm gonna like be chosen out of all these people. Like what's so special or interesting about me, you know? Sure. Um, but what it was is you know you go up there they have three cameras in in their little booths you walk up and they literally say okay you know take your name whatever whatever and they're like all right go (laughs) and they're like you have a minute you have one minute go ahead i was like what (laughs) they don't ask you a question they don't they don't prompt you they don't interview they don't tell you how to they just literally say you have one minute to do whatever you want to do yeah Exactly, which I guess makes for some pretty interesting videos, I'm sure. So, you know, I'm fumbling and I really have no clear memory of what I said. Um, The only thing I remember saying, because that's what the casting director called me and told me I said, was I said something about being a renaissance man. You know, I do a lot of things. I was an athlete, but I also play the trumpet and I sing and I dance and I have done theater and I, you know, all all these things. And I just kind of like rattled off all these things. And I guess they just liked that. And they liked the look that I had at the time. And they called me two months later out of all those people. That is is wild. Was your friend pissed? (laughs) No, my friends were very supportive. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if I got on it, Hep would be pissed. Yeah, of course. Well, right, right, I would, right. I would be, yes, I would be pissed, but I'd also be happy. I'd be just, comp- it would be so selfish and petty, but <laughs> when you were on there, dude, but th- there'd have to be an understanding that if you made it to the, the family visit, when, when they bring a family or friend out, <laughs> yeah, it's me over it. your wife. I mean, that's just, it would have to be. Yeah. 
That's so funny you say that because one of the things they tell us explicitly, this is a little bit of, of, of back, uh, of behind the scenes, oh, uh, yeah. uh, knowledge Insider here. News. Yeah. 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 So of course, before you go, they set all this up. So they're like, okay, like, it, it, you know, should you make the family visit? Who would you want to come out and all this? And what they say is don't do what you just said. Like, don't bring your boss, right? Who's like a big super survivor fan or don't bring like, you know, a, a loose acquaintance because when you're at that moment in the show, when it's the family visit, you're so run down, you're so beaten up, you're so emotionally depleted that you're going to want to bring somebody that you can just like fall into and cry and, and just like be so overcome with emotion and like get that shot of emotional support that is the family visit. Because what had happened in earlier seasons is people would do that. They'd bring their their boss or their assistant coach or something like Coach did. Um, oh and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's just a little bit awkward. It's it's kind of like oh hey hey man, you know like it's it's not the like emotional family right. support that that you need because yeah because you, you watch it you now to do man. A favor. Yeah, you watch it now and it's I mean tears are flowing. Everybody's yes. crying. So mm-hmm. you know that's a great. That's a great segue talking about the physical, emotional, mental depletion that you experience. I mean, how many days did you, were you out there? Yeah. So I was out there for 24 days, just over three weeks out I mean, there on the island. That's a long time to be stranded on an island with strangers where you're being put up against social paranoia, physical competitions, mental competitions, a mm. rice diet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's a long time. I mean, you know, it's so crazy how it, at the time it feels like forever, but then of course the further I get away from it, it feels like a flash in the pan, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, at the time it definitely felt like a long time. And and not only is it like emotional and the game and all of that, but every single day you just it, depletion is is the word because you literally feel like you have less you literally have less of your body because you just wow. starved, you know, every day. Uh, I lost 20 pounds out there. Um, Golly, I do weeks. need to go. <laughs> Forget the million. Uh, that right there is worth it for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't stay off. I'm sorry. Right, you, right. It, you put it right back on. I came back heavier than I left because I had those two weeks um, out in Ponderosa to just like stuff my face. And yeah, it, it, it just my body just soaked up every ounce of fat that I put in my body. <laughs> that is wild. If you could pick one moment on your mm-hmm. experience in Survivor for any reason at all, what was the most memorable or your favorite moment? Oh man, my favorite moment? Yeah, or you know, anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean there's so many, right? There's there's so so yeah. many so many moments. Um I mean, you know, I'm 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 a sappy guy, you know. I I, I really uh, felt things out there. I know a lot of people go out there and they're just pure game bots and they right. just play the game and it's just like about being cutthroat and I'm gonna just get rid of him and 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 just you know advance myself. Um, but I got caught up in the social game so much so that I made true true relationships out there, like true friendships true deep you know when you go through adversity with people like you know i don't want to compare myself to the military but that thing that like you know soldiers talk about when you know they went through something with with their troops or whatever and they just feel very bonded that's what it felt like to me you know we were going through it we were in the trenches 
so to speak. Um, so my favorite moments, I'd say, are just these like heartwarming, beautiful time that I shared with Janet um, and Jack, right? Just like watching the sunrise or the sunset and just being like, what the heck is this? Like, we're just out here, you know, with only each other to survive. Like, that's it's deep. It's a deep experience. Well, and y'all's season was so, uh, it was so interesting because I would imagine that there were different elements to this season that we, I wouldn't say we hadn't seen them before. I would say that there was a bit more of a spotlight on certain social elements. And mm -hmm. I can imagine with some of the things that happened throughout the season, there were some just bonds that were made over certain conversations and certain little hurdles. And, you mm -hmm. know, I don't, I don't want to get too deep in all that, but yeah, I, I can see where that would be. And especially it seems like you're a relational guy anyway. So mm -hmm. I can see where so, that would be. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I was ahead, just going to say, so was it, so was it as hard as you imagined it would be? I right. feel like you had to do some sort of prep work mentally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what, what's, what's crazy is I, I think for anyone who ever plays this game, what you go in thinking is going to be the hardest part of the game ends up not being, and you get surprised by what it. So obviously I went in thinking that it was going to be this, the starving and the, you know, the survival aspect. Like I'm not, I don't go outdoors. Like I don't, you know what I'm saying? I got it. The first time I ever made fire was like the day before I left playing around with the Flint, you know, my backyard. <laughs> um, so, so I was like, okay, this, that's going to be the toughest part. It's going to be the, the, the hunger and all that. And I really wasn't, so bothered by that i for some reason like my body just kind of said okay this is what we're doing <laughs> we're, we're starving and we're just gonna like kick into this gear where we're just gonna like eat ourselves and and be okay so, so i really i wasn't too thrown off more other people were like i could definitely see that the hunger and the cold and all of that really was getting to other people and like, changed their whole personalities from when they started the game to to you know halfway through when i when i left um what I found to be the toughest part is the paranoia of of not knowing if you can trust someone. That that's the part that uh. really stung. Yeah, because I mean, you know, you watch Survivor and it's just the hour that you see, and you know, roughly every hour of Survivor that you watch on TV equates to three whole days of 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 real time that has passed by. Right. So we have what they call off days. So literally 24 hours where nothing happens. There's not a challenge. There's not a tribal council. There's not a boat coming. Like it's just dead and you're just surviving, right? So it's so easy for your defenses to come down and for you to like share some stories and get to know people and know their motivations and hear about their kids, right? And all this stuff. And then tribal council comes around and you get reset to be like, holy crap. like. I don't know if that relationship is real. And so when you come out of the game, that's really the hard part because then I was like, well, so when I came out of the game, um, Jack and Kelly had been voted out before me and you join them, like you meet back up with them when you get voted out. And I remember walking up to, you know, Ponderosa, they call it, and just questioning everything I thought I knew about these two people. Cause I was like, I've never met them. I, I, I literally spent 24, you know, 20, 20 something days with these people. And I've never truly 
I don't know for sure if I can actually believe the friendships and the bonds that we made. Let me go see if those are real, <laughs> you know? Um, so it's, it's that, that was, that was a tough part for me. That's really people, interesting to me. People wonder why I love Survivor. It's stuff like that that makes me just fall in love with it. I mean, the fact that there's a psychological element that's very real and probably even somewhat traumatic. And so I bet some people leave and I bet there's a, an adjustment that has to happen. I mean, yeah, it's to me, it's just fascinating. One of the things Nichols and I, when we started this podcast, um, we talk about everything, man. We talk about life, faith, God, our belief system, our worldview, all of it. I mean, and, uh, we knew when we started this podcast that one of the, the things we wanted to address was just this topic of racism mm. and, but not just racism. I mean, we really wanted to find a person of color to share their experience with us and help us. I mean, we're not stupid. We can look around in the world and see and identify and articulate everything that's happening and that has been happening, but it's mm. different. You know, I mean, there's a certain amount of privilege. There's a certain amount of experience that we, that we lack, you know, and privilege that we have experience that we lack. And I know that sort of came up on your season of survivor and probably was not the first time it's come up in your life. Um, and to add to what he just said, we're, we're both from the South. And so we see, we see it regularly. Um, and we're two white guys that have experienced or, or, even been around or been a part of a culture that was very racist mm. and we're just not about that, you know? And so um, it feels like it just got really serious for some reason. <laughs> um, well, but it, no, it can, be, it can be serious. It can be serious. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 well, let me just interrupt and just say like, wow. Right. Awesome. That you guys have that kind of relationship and uh, are, are open to having these kinds of conversations because for me, I think part of the problem is not being willing or, or, or shutting down so immediately to even the suggestion, right, that our lived experience might be different just because of the difference in the color of our skin, you know, like, why, why not be able to acknowledge that and not necessarily feel shame about that or even guilt about that, but just acknowledge it, right? And 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 then we're gonna get into all this, I'm sure. But but I think it's a, it's it's such a powerful first step. Is just a comfort with the conversation. And as you know, have the conversation ended up being very uncomfortable for people to listen to uh, from my season. You know, yeah. there was a lot of people who appreciated what happened, and they and and if you want me, if you want to go into it, we can. But um, there was a yeah, sure. lot of backlash. Uh, from, from a segment of the country or the survivor fan base that just was not having it. And it, that was one of the more fascinating uh, results of the show is, is tuning into that and trying to figure that out. Like just the mere conversation between friends about some language choices that were made, made people completely shut down or completely like freak out um, and come at me with some very vile hatred yeah. <laughs> that I it was very, very uncomfortable. But yeah, would you it's, it's would fun. you care to just give some context to that? I mean, sure. for I, I know not everyone listening to this has watched Survivor, and I know Nichols isn't familiar with this. Mm. Uh, maybe you could just put a little bit of context around kind of what you experienced, you know, with all mm. that kind of stuff mm. in your season. 
Yeah, yeah. So let, let me explain it real, real, you know, surface level, right? Sure. So there's a guy uh, named Jack, uh, who's a young, uh, at the time, he was 23 years old, he's a young guy, um, white guy, uh, right out, just out of grad school, or, or, or right in grad school, love this kid to death. I I'm like best friends, best survivor friends <laughs> with this guy. Um, so that that's, to me, is the most important part of the story is that we actually have a true friendship, like we're, we're, we're boys, you know, out there. Um, and there was just one slight moment where uh, the, the, the little, oh, actually, I actually have it right here, I can show you, um, this thing right here, right, this is the, called the buff, right, this is, this is what we wear on our heads when we're out there, right, you wear them as helmet, you know, as, as head Dude, scarves. you're killing me right now, I'm getting so jealous, <laughs> go ahead. He's got like two yeah. or three of them he could show you, so. <laughs> yeah, I bet, I bet. It's a tuba cloth. It's called a buff. That's that's how we refer to them on the show. They've been called buffs forever. It's the company that makes them. So anytime they're referenced, they're called buffs. So Jeff says, drop your buffs. You know, where's your buff? Blah, blah, blah. Change your buffs. When you change tribes, you get a different color buff. It marks the tribe you're on. Everybody knows it's called a buff. So when I was moving the pot of rice on the fire, I was using my buff to not burn my hand. And Jack goes, hey, why don't you go use your do-rag to move the pot? And to me, I was like, you wouldn't have called it a do-rag for anybody else here, right? I'm the only Black guy on the chat. And you called it a, a do-rag. And I just had a moment where I was like, why, why did you do that, right? Like, what information about me were you using that you decided to call it a do-rag? Now, here, the, the reason why this got so controversial is for a couple of reasons. One is not only Black people use do-rags. I've, I've, I've become painfully aware of that, right? Do-rags are used to hold your hair down. Motorcycle bikers use do-rags. And I, I've, I've got a, a real good lesson in why <laughs> I, was in, I was wrong to assume that it was a Black thing <laughs> when he said the word do-rag. Um, and the do-rag itself is not necessarily a negative marker of Black culture, right? A lot of Black people are very proud to wear do-rags. They wear them to get waves in their hair or, you know, to protect their hair from when they go to sleep, right? Like, and it's become a real cultural touchstone. You know, Jay-Z wears do-rags and, you know, Kanye, like all these, you know, rappers and, 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 and uh, athletes wear do-rags. Um, what he what what I had, right, the information I had and the lived experience that I have is black culture historically in this country has always been criminalized culturally to the point where it's these things that become synonymous for the greater culture with uh, crime, drugs, you know, uh, um, be, being leeches on society, like not not pulling your weight, right, right, right. So if you think about this image, right, this this image in your head of the the the, the man with the the sagging pants, right, and the do rag and the tattoos, uh, right, like this this caricature, and this is what I say on the show, right, this caricature uh, is a negative stereotype because it becomes a marker of what people have in their minds of the the deadbeat black man who who is not contributing to society and and needs to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and all all this kind of stuff so when i talked to jack about this it was a beautiful conversation it was just was like hey man why do you why do you do that and he was like oh you know what i'm so sorry i didn't i didn't mean anything by it and i was like yeah okay yeah i'm, I'm sure you didn't mean anything by it here's some context for why that 
that landed with me in a, in a, in a weird way. Um, and he said, yeah, no, I completely get that. Like, I feel badly for doing that to you because, you know, sometimes I have blinders on as a young white kid of privilege who's never had to really think about these things. And I said, yeah, well, here's some context that I have for how privilege works in our society. And we just had this really amazing conversation, um, you know, survivor with editing, they couldn't quite capture the, all the nuance of it. So they told this very simple story um, and and that and that was that's what was put out there. So that that's kind of a summary of, of what that conversation was. I think that's really powerful. I think that is really um, honorable, uh, and because you could have gotten really mad, right? You could have like lashed out at him, and I think that you represented just from the story that I've heard and the story that you just said. I think you represented not only yourself well, but the African-American community well as well. And in, in my experience with a lot of Southern racism, mm -hmm. those conversations don't go that well, right? Mm -hmm. um, and and it, I'm not trying to glorify like him or, or you. I, I just think that that's a really beautiful conversation. like. There was two things that stuck out to me. Um, one that I learned about myself through this experience, which is so crazy. Uh, but the other one is, is like Nichols said, I mean, I've watched the show before. This isn't the first time that there's been, you know, racial tension of some sort. You, you, you can watch, and I don't remember what season or anything like that, but you can watch seasons of the show where somebody calls somebody else ghetto or something like that. And it's just those types of kind of slurs that, and, and they're not character slurs. They're, I'm, I'm attacking you and what I, the ammunition I have is because your skin is a, is a certain color. The thing that I learned about myself was it's almost embarrassing to admit, but you know, with, with it, there's also growth. But I remember watching the show in real time, you know, week to week. And when Jack made that comment and then you wanted to talk to him about it, my initial response was, I wouldn't say confusion, but I didn't understand it at first and I didn't, it wasn't some big conscious thing. It was just kind of like a, a subconscious level thoughts. It was kind of like, I wonder why that was racist. Or I wonder, I wonder why Jamal got offended. Or I wonder if Jack meant something or, you know, I, it, it just didn't resonate with me. And that right there to me, I realized like, oh, wait, I'm so out of touch with having to consider race in any facet of life you know when someone makes a comment to me about anything that might represent white culture whatever whatever culture i mean let's be honest it i don't have to think like that i don't even have to process a moment of offense or frustration or hurt feelings or anything because those nuances, I won't say they don't exist, but they're not as prominent. Mm -hmm. And so when that happened, I went, and especially as you guys were, I remember y'all sitting there on the beach uh, at night or in the morning or something. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, this is incredible. Like for a moment, I was Jack. I was the guy and you weren't talking to a guy on the beach. You were, you were sharing a message with me wow. on the other side of the country through a TV screen. And so I thought it was huge, man, and so important. And maybe it, maybe it was impactful for other people. Maybe I was the only person in the world that was impacted by it. But it was just so crazy to watch. 
Mm-hmm. No, you you weren't the only you weren't the only one. Um, I, I heard from a lot of people uh, that that I, I I highlight I highlighted some important moments inside the game, post the game. The highlight for me was just hearing from everybody like yourselves who just never messaged people never messaged a survivor player ever before they just kind of watch the show and they never do it but for some reason this moment inspired so many people to be like i'm gonna look this guy up and let, let me just send him a quick message and say hey jamal i don't know if you're ever gonna read this but i just wanted you to know that when i was watching survivor with my family this was amazing because i got to have a really amazing conversation with my kids about what it must be like for for someone who, like you to, to have this conversation or thank you for opening my eyes or genuine curiosity. Hey, I don't fully understand what that was about. And you seem like the kind of guy who, you know, would be willing to talk about it. So can you explain? Mm-hmm. And I'm happy to, I'm, I'm so happy to do that because what you just said Hep, about like, I realized for a moment of like, why would that be offensive to him? the way you phrase it is gold, right? Because too many people have that same moment and they conclude, well, there must be something wrong with Jamal Hmm. that he took it that way. And that's where we go wrong. That's where we do this, right? Because instead of saying, I wonder why, let me learn more. Let me try to put myself in his shoes. Let me gather some information, right? To put it in context. It's oh, look at this social justice warrior, snowflake liberal trying to make the <laughs> poor white kid feel guilty. And, you know, how dare he do that? And not everything is about race. And he's so sensitive, right? Like, the, I, could, I could go on and on and on and on about all of the weird <laughs> ways people uh, decided to contextualize this moment. Um, so props to you all for having that moment of, like, curiosity. Because I think that's how we start to break down those those moments of literal ignorance, not with any uh, negative connotation, just literally, I don't know. Um, right. That's how we start to do it. I and I see that a lot. I see, you know, I think there's many people out there that have racist tendencies. And it's not that I hate black people and I wear a white hood. And it's not that. It's not I'm using words that are highly offensive. It's that. I haven't been educated yet. I don't fully understand the black experience or any experience. It's, you know, it's not the non-white experience, maybe. Well, we, we even had um, a buddy of mine, Hep, Angel like correct me on one of our first episodes when I referred to uh, the LGBT community as the gays. Mm. And I didn't think about it. And, and, you know, what, what that, what he said to me was like, man, I, I understand your heart on the matter because we were referencing, just talking about, we, we had an episode with a, a gay Christian and it was really interesting. Um, but then on an episode before or after, I don't remember, I talked about how like one of my passions is just having um, a heart for people that are, are kind of forgotten about or pushed out and I refer to atheists, agnostics and the gays. Mm-hmm. And he was like, man, I, I get your heart on that matter, but that didn't come out well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me help and, you articulate like, that okay. more helpful way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, okay, dude, I, I need that. You know, I need that help. And I, so I, I applaud you for helping educate 
for for being someone who is not mad at the person who is not educated or mm-hmm. or whatever um or, or yeah i i just mm-hmm. i really like if we're not striving to be better then what are we doing we're just setting our ways right so uh i, I think that's really interesting mm-hmm. thanks so, man zooming out i mean because it's not a survivor thing. And I mean, when I emailed you, I even said that, Hey, we're stoked because you're a survivor and I'm a survivor fan. And you know, it happened on your, on your season and all this kind of stuff, but zooming out, Mm -hmm. it's not a survivor issue. It's not a reality television issue. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I don't know the last month we had that I didn't read an article about a black man getting shot. And I, I don't know, man. I just, I guess I'm curious about a few things. And I don't, I don't even know if I have the specific questions, so I'm going to do my best to articulate kind of what's in me, and you can just sort of take it and do what you want with it. But Absolutely. I'm curious as to, as a person like you who cares about the conversation, you're, you're, not, you're not mad at everybody, I, I don't imagine. You don't seem like the kind of guy who's seeking retribution on everybody who ever messed up in that, mm-hmm. in that way but I'm really curious about just your experience as a black man in America in this century and everything that we go through. I mean, I never thought about it until the last few years and the more people that I meet and the more stories that I hear, it's just like, how have I not seen it? Right. Hey, let me pause for just a second. If there's anything that we feel like, or that makes you feel like you're hijacked or anything like that. (laughs) We might've surprised you with some of these questions, but at any point, like if we do say something too much, like we need grace too. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I like, and thank you for saying that Nichols. This is awesome. This is great. Okay. Okay. Cool. I'm so, so into the conversation and, and you're absolutely right. And let me, let me explain that first, because I think it's important to understand that, I don't, I definitely do not have a monopoly on wisdom, right? By, by no means. I'm the first one to tell you that I'm just as ignorant, literally, as the next person. Um, and, and this is, so part of the conversation with Jack was about privilege. And a lot of people bristled at this idea of white privilege because they're like, you know, white privilege, that doesn't exist. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm not rich. Like, you know, you're more privileged than me for whatever reason. And the reason why it's important to understand what privilege is is because it's 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 attached to a social identifier right so race is the social identifier so in that scheme of 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 social identity there is white privilege right in the scheme of gender there is male privilege right in the scheme of religion in a judeo-christian country there's you know uh, uh christian privilege right in terms of like what's what's the mass uh, mass uh accepted understood conception of of the afterlife right so so the reason why i'm so um graceful i guess nichols right to, to use your word is that i know that i have privilege right i know that when i'm talking to a woman I have to come at those conversations from a very different place, right? I have to listen, I have to understand, I have to be careful about my language, I have to be careful about my biases that I was was taught and grew up with, 
uh, you know, uh, in my conceptualizations of women, right? And, and, and go on down the line, right? Religion, ability, right? If I'm talking to someone that, you know, is an amputee or has a mental disorder of some kind, I have no idea what that's like to walk through this world that way. Um, and so I need to come at it with that, that humility. Um, so when it comes to race, like, absolutely. Like I get to have this conversation from my positionality, but I know exactly what it's like to, to be on the other side and be wondering how to, how to move through the space um, and with my language and, and, and with my, um, with my privilege in, in that way. Um, so I just wanted to, to, to share that part of it. Um, but to your question, Hep, um, I think what is so glaringly clear to me because I have that understanding of what it means to be privileged in some ways and not privileged in other ways is that you wouldn't have to think about it, right? Like it makes all the sense in the world because as much as people bristle at this, it's just true. This country specifically has a dominant culture, right? So the reason why, Hep, you're not like super offended when somebody references white culture or references some marker of your identity along race is because it doesn't mean anything to, to, to be hateful about whatever that someone might call out. The reason why it's harder or, or why it carries weight or it's painful, it's my dog wanting to go outside. Um, <laughs> The reason why 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 it, it it's literally dangerous that the, those kinds of ideas towards people in the minority or people on the bottom of these social identities is because, to the most extreme, there are situations where I have to worry about my safety. There are situations where I have to worry about my life, right? That you and people who look like you never have to worry about. Yeah. And again, go on down the line, right? There's situations that women are in that they need to worry about their safety that I never have to think about, right? Et cetera, et cetera. So along race, the white privilege to me literally is the absence of concern for your safety <laughs> in most situations. Um, and it's being able to open your eyes to the fact that like, wow, I don't ever have to be concerned about walking down the street in a particular neighborhood. Um, you know, I don't have to worry about whether or not my white girlfriend's parents <laughs> are going to accept me into their family. Um, I don't have to worry about, you know, people thinking that my wallet is a gun and pulling the trigger before they even see the, you know, see that I'm just trying to get into my own house. Right. You know what I mean? Like those are the situations that I have had to learn are a different kind of experience for me. Um, so that that that's where that's where that that comes from. So correct me. So correct me if I'm wrong. But when I describe white privilege to other people, mm -hmm. I would go along the lines and say that culturally, there are certain things that are most most backed, if you will. And so what I mean by that is like um, the reason why people don't get offended when minorities insult white, white privilege or whatever, uh, the reason that, that, that we don't get offended is because we can literally say, well, okay, because we have the backing or the support or it's the most popular or it's the least threatened uh, of, the, of the other races. And so, that's kind of how I describe it. Not that because a lot of people in the in the 
that are white. I was going to say white community. I don't know if there is just one white community, but um, a lot of people in, in that are white are, uh, they don't have to worry about a lot. They don't have to walk around or, or be concerned when they walk in a, an expensive store or like, I, I mean, I have a concealed carry and have never once, I mean, had a had a pistol sitting right beside me when I've been pulled over. Never once have I had to think something's going to happen. Right. And so that's the kind of stuff like, like I've had a lot of people get offended when white privilege comes up because it's like, they don't mean that you just are privileged. They don't mean that you didn't have to work as hard. They don't mean that, or that you didn't work hard or, or whatever. Like what they're saying is you don't have to think. So yeah. I know I just you, kind of you're, you're right. Well, I think, you said. I think you're right. I think it's absolutely right. Go ahead. I think that the, the misunderstanding when it comes to privilege is that, uh, well, t- two things. Number one, let's just, most people don't get super offended. Man, you start talking to some white people about white privilege, and it's, it's very triggering. And that oh, right no. there should be telling enough, you know? <laughs> yeah. We should kind of go, wait, why do we respond like that? Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe there's a little bit of something underneath it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, furthermore, there is, we don't have all the stories of white history where there's oppression, where there's murder, slavery. You know, we just don't, we don't have that. And I'm not saying there weren't ever white people that were slave. I don't know about all that, but there's consistent patterns in history. It's not like we woke up one day and went, you know, uh, white people are bad. They're white privilege and white people are bad. It's privilege doesn't even mean bad. I, I think I used to get offended by it. I really do. Cause I used to argue I, and you know, I'll argue with anybody, <laughs> but I remember people pointing out white privilege and I would, I would say at the time, this has been several years, I would make comments like, well, I, I don't think that's true. I mean, I've, I've been so poor at points in my life where I was scraping up enough quarters to go to Taco Bell or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and there was a misunderstanding in my mind where I was comparing myself to, I don't even know how to describe it, but I don't think that's the, the issue. Necess- I don't think right. we should see white privilege as a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. I mean the so, term. So, well, I, I got you. I got you. You shouldn't be offended that you're, that you're, that it's being con- discussed. So, so, so let, right. let me bring this up because I think this is, this would be, um, illustrative uh so on a, on an individual level right on a person-to-person level the white privilege that i talk about is what i said right this 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 comfort with your body in the space right this this kind of inherent idea that you just you kind of just own it right like you 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 use a lot of like you know don't come into my space or i belong here you don't even have to question you don't have to question it like you just belong right there's just this inherent sense that this country is for you um i didn't grow up that way i didn't grow up thinking that this country was for me i grew up very much feeling like a visitor in in predominantly white spaces because that's kind of the way i moved around um so so on an individual level i think that that's that's true 
in terms of like this, the, the, different, the difference of our conceptualization of, of our own body and, and me having to worry about safety in ways that you don't just because of race. Now, what's confusing, what, what, what I think is the thing to bristle about is that white privilege also refers to this macro idea, which is what you're talking about, this, this history and these statistics, right? Like when we talk about um, wealth distribution, right? Like, I don't even know the numbers, but they're ridiculous, right? That just, just how much wealth is, 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 is in uh, white lineage than compared to black wealth, right? It, it's just, it dwarfs it. And why that is, right, is, is a point of contention, but I think you can't ignore the history there because white people, right, have had a much longer amount of time to amass that wealth and have literally had laws, right, that allowed for them to amass that wealth over generations, I'm talking. I'm talking about like historical, like nine, 10 generations back, where if I go nine, 10 generations back, I literally get to my family on a farm, on a plantation, you know, as property of white people. Like that's what happens when I go back generations. That's such and a great most, point. Right. And so most white people, especially if you've been American and you've been here for a long time, you, there's some connection to the, um, the, the wealth that, that, that has amassed, right? Your, 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 your privilege is based on some historical messed up stuff. <laughs> I hope we can all agree that it wasn't, wasn't all that great. Right. Um, so that's where we get into these like bristly moments about white privilege because it does start to sound like you're saying like, oh, well, you're saying I'm not, I didn't work hard for what I have. And, you know, my, my great grandpappy came to this country with, you know, seven pennies. And so I don't know what you're talking about or I'm not responsible for slavery. And all of that is true. But you came into a country that made all of the positive assumptions about you and gave you every leg up and every opportunity to do all that merit-based wealth accumulation that I and my family and people who don't look like me never had. Um, and so that wealth disparity is not an accident, right? It's not that black people are inferior or they don't value certain, like it's, it's literally the result of historical oppression over generations. And so these are the two contexts, like in, on an individual level and on a macro level, we can kind of talk about the effects of this. Something I've told a few of my friends was that, that were confused on this whole topic was like, for example, let's, let's talk to Hep. Like he was one of those guys that's confused. Mm -hmm. I would just say, okay, put it to you like this, Matt Hep, think about how you grew up. Think about the way that you can walk around freely, all that kind of stuff. Let's just talk about, one, if one thing changed in your life, or if one thing had been different your entire life, and let's say you had a twin that was just hypothetically born black, you both walk into the same restaurant, do you think that you get the same looks by everybody in the place, especially in the South? Maybe not. Let's say you walk into a store in the mall, both of you side by side, you think one of you looks, it gets looked at differently by somebody, probably at some point you go apply for the same job. One of you gets it. One of you doesn't, or one of you's asked a whole lot more questions to qualify more than you did than, than 
than you did. You know, like it, it, it starts to get really interesting for me when I put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, because I can put myself in the shoes instead right. of, um, just talking about me and my world. Like, right. But Nichols, here's where that is. It's, it's hard to break through with some people with that argument. And I, I know that it is because I've run into this wall a lot, which is like, well, I don't treat people that way. I sure. wouldn't treat them differently. So therefore I'm not racist. Therefore, racism doesn't exist. Therefore, Black people are making a big deal out of nothing. We need to stop talking about it because we're just making it worse by talking about it. That's I that's have the black lie. Friends. That's the lie. I, I have, have black exactly whatever. exactly. Ugh. So so here so what I would add to that, Nichols, is to understand it from an institutional perspective. So so yes. so to continue what you were thinking is like okay, um, the company that I work at right now, I'm one of two black people when I got there. This is hundreds, hundreds of people at the company. Company's great. I'm, I'm not bashing the company. I, I love, I love working there. But there is a huge contingent of people working at my company that all came from the same college. Why is that? <laughs> because the recruiter for the company went to that college. So that recruiter goes to the college, recruits the people from that college to the company. Nothing wrong about that, right? Well, what was the racial makeup of this college? definitely predominantly white right for sure and historically we weren't even allowed to go to that college for years right years right so you have institutionally backed racialized practices that continue to influence why opportunities and access to wealth are withheld for a select few and so it's not any individual in this equation being a bad person or thinking ill of black people. It's literally, you have more access to the opportunities for wealth accumulation because of the historical institutions and how they have been racialized for so long. And so it's like somebody turned off that switch, if you can, if you want to think that we've we've like turned a corner right if you if you want to believe that this 2020 all that is done with <laughs> still how do you just turn off that switch and think that everything is equal now you can't right for so many years hundreds of years you've had this system right this is why people call talk about systematized and institutionalized racism it's not any individual being bad it's that systems and opportunities and access have been reserved for white people to be completely blunt um and it is programs like affirmative action right like opportunities to lift people up of color who uh, might show some potential it's it the idea behind it is to give the same kind of preference and the same kind of access that has been historically reserved for the white majority i was i was just about to ask you genuine question is there an answer mm. <laughs> because because like i don't know one but well, i, I think- know the african-american community has got to be thinking about that but you just kind of tapped into a little bit of that yeah i was thinking the same thing i was i was thinking for myself like i don't think it's weird like i try not to think about it as what can 
I do to solve the problem? Like I can start a movement or a hashtag or a nonprofit, or I can gather, you know, whatever. I just some big dramatic thing, but I try to think about it in terms of like, just on the very ground level, as I, as I go throughout my life and interact with people at work and home and the grocery store, as I'm, as, as information is filtered from the media or social media or TV and movies, whatever. What do you think, like Nichols said, what's, what's the answer? What is a small solution that we can all do to gradually and incrementally just continue to move the needle? Yeah, no, I have some ideas about that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'll offer, I'll offer two, two, two kind of answers to this. Right. And here, I I love this metaphor um, that I've I've used this before, but I think it's, it's so, it's so, it illustrates exactly what I'm trying to talk about. So say you are on the board of the uh, renovation committee for the local school or, you know, building, you know, convention center or whatever it is, right? And every single person in that room has two functioning legs, right? And you're going through plans and you're like, okay, we're going to renovate this building. This building is going to look so nice. We're going to build it sky high and do all these big things. and, and, And now you're getting down to designing the building. And the question comes up, what kind of entryways should we have, right? And everyone is like, okay, great. Yeah, let's put a giant staircase here where you go up and then the, 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 the arch and the doors and the staircase and the everything, right? If someone in that room says something like, hey, what about people in wheelchairs? Let's, let's, let's maybe design an entryway that has a ramp so that people in wheelchairs can get in the building, right? There was nobody in a wheelchair around that table, right? But someone had the ability to think about the experiences of someone else and make a small suggestion, a small change that means the world to that person in a wheelchair. So the question is, what can you do when you're in the room to consider the experiences of people who don't live the way you do? And what changes can you make to kind of incorporate that to make it more inclusive and and provide literal access, right? Provide literal opportunity for someone to enjoy the same privilege that you get to enjoy because you can walk (laughs) and they can't, right? And I, I think that's so powerful because how many times are we just in a room where decisions are being made and there's someone missing from that room and so therefore their experience never gets considered? Two solutions. One is you can actually try to be that person and think about "Mm, what's it like if a woman were to be in the room or what's it like if a Muslim Mm -hmm. were to be in here right now or 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 what's it like if we use this language and, you know, someone, uh, you know, an an older person were to be hearing this conversation, how how would they feel included, right? That's one solution. The other solution is to have those people in the room, right? That's the point, right? Like, have those people in the room so they can say, hey, guys. I know you're all excited about this idea, but for me, this doesn't quite incorporate my experience, whatever that is. Um, and I think that's that's a really powerful thing we can all do, right, is to be more inclusive of people in the room and to put ourselves in the shoes of other people like that. That is so good because I, I'm embarrassed again because I'm just like, why did I think <laughs> of that, you know? I'm not embarrassed. I'm, I'm super thrilled. Sure, but sure. when you said solution number two, include them in the room 
my mind sits in solution number one, which is try to be an advocate, you know, try to, try to voice what's not being voiced. And again, great, great solution. It's, it's a great mm -hmm. option. I have never <laughs> just stopped long enough to go, wait, if there was a woman or black man or handicapped person in the room, I wouldn't have to advocate because we would have a firsthand experience, mm -hmm. first, firsthand opinion. Right. It's, and right. it's wild to me that that this is so groundbreaking and earth shattering for me. <laughs> it shouldn't be that way, but I'm so glad that we're having the conversation. I mean, well, that yeah. extends, that extends to all kinds of situations though. And yes. Good. the situations, well, situations are where I think it matters. situations mm -hmm. and you can mm -hmm. go on to whatever situation you can think up. Mm -hmm. But I think those are, are, are what matters. And in those situations, we can be a voice or we can say, Hey, my buddy, Jamal, you need to hear his point of view too. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I, I think because we've beaten up, we, uh, the, 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 like, you know, radical left, I'd say, have, have kind of beaten up on this response that is like, well, I have black friends, so I can't be racist, right? That, that whole thing. Mm. I think we've done ourselves a disservice because I think there is value, <laughs> right, to having friends who look differently and live differently than you do, right? Like it, what you just talked Absolutely. about, Nichols, like, does the white police officer pull his trigger as quickly if when he pulls up on a group of black men, he sees his neighbor, he sees his daughter's uh, husband, you know, his son-in-law, he sees the, you know, the father on the PTA, right? He, he has people who look like that in his sphere, such that it's not so much of an alien experience, right? To, and, and not so easy to, to criminalize people who look like that. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't think that's the reason that all of these atrocities have happened, but I do wonder if our isolationist tendencies in this country to just kind of siphon off and, and people who agree with us and people who look like us and, and all of that kind of adds to this ability to be so hateful and, and be so quick to otherize people um, who, don't, who don't share whatever character traits or, or lived experience. Yeah. So let me add one more piece to, to this. Please. We have succubuses on society just as much as what we oftentimes forget is a lot of a lot of the white people out there look at, at guys riding around on their rims and stuff like that or driving their big cars and that don't have the same point of view as you do that aren't trying to help that aren't trying to do this and they and, and they would say that's what's wrong with my view on african americans mm -hmm. now and so the reason I, I bring this up is not to say well look at them and and right. all that what i what i hate is how people have maybe given up because of the lack of privilege 
like yeah, well, the lack of, of wealth privilege or, or like societal sure. privilege uh, sure. because of their culture and how they get looked down upon. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that becomes the wedge. Right. That's exactly right. That That's the knee jerk reaction to say, like, what are you talking about? What what white privilege are you talking about? I suffered in this particular way or right. my family. I have never been handed anything. Right. Absolutely. That that it does get in the way. That's why I actually hate the word privilege. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, right. I think it describes exactly what oh, I'm trying to do. Hold on, guys. About. We're freezing up for a second. Oh, sorry. Tell me when it's okay. I'm not freezing up. Are you freezing up? Yeah, yeah. You're, you're the frozen one. <laughs> Come on his back. Face, his face Come on back. on the yeah, frozen he, 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 doesn't, he doesn't care about whatever, anything I'm saying. He's like, mm-mm. So, so to to bring it into current current times, right? With police police brutality and 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 uh, abuse of power and 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 police, you know, killing black men at a much higher rate, right? Than 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 white suspects, right? Um, a lot of people say things like, "Oh, you know, he he wasn't even doing anything wrong, right? He he just was complying and and um, uh, and and they they took his, they took his life anyway." And my point when that, when any of this comes up is he, a black perpetrator could have been doing something wrong, right? He could have been robbing the store. He could have been, you know, whatever the, the, the crime was, right? And where the racism comes in is a white person could be doing the same exact thing and get the benefit of the doubt. Right. Right. And the black person literally has to face death. Right. <laughs> in, and I hate in, in that. Unfortunate circumstances. I hate that. Like, I, yeah. I, I, and I use I hate strongly. Like, I hate mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know where the disconnect is. Yeah. This actually comes full circle from what we were talking about earlier. Right. Like, because of media exposure right and because there is being a minority literally is is a uh true thing right like it it is it is the fact that there are more white people um so therefore white people don't feel as burdened by the uh uh, uh, pressure to represent themselves a certain way um so therefore when people see black people uh, people like me or people who, who who want to like advance us as a people sometimes get annoyed because they feel like they're 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 embarrassing the race right they're 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 not giving us a good name right yeah and you have a lot of these characters like, I think Bill Cosby is probably the most famous one who was just so hard on the black community and 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 gave really toxic messages I think about how we brought this kind of perception on ourselves by not behaving certain ways and, and, and assimilating um, to, to the greater culture in ways that were acceptable to the white gaze. And that, that's kind of a, a, a highfalutin term, but this idea that like black people have to behave when white people are looking at us, because if we don't, then we just reinforce um, unfortunate stereotypes and do, do, you know, don't do the race you know, any service. Right. Um, and so my, what I said fights against that, right? Like, I think we should all have the right to be as screwed up as uh, oh, he might be coming as back. anybody else. Oh, look at her! Who? That's his wife. That's his wife. Yep. Go ahead. That's Kirsten. Hi, Kirsten. He's trying. Um, to yeah. <laughs> but anyways, start, keep going. Start your video. I, I'm see my my thing is just to be very honest with you. 
I live in the South where this is a very, very hard conversation to have unless you are sitting across a table with someone that is a close friend that is, that knows your heart, you know, because a lot of times in the South, if you even bring this whole topic up, you're automatically racist. Mm. My thing is, is like, okay, I just want to understand as much as I can. Mm. But my hope is, is that people understand my heart on the matter so that some grace will be given in the process of understanding. Yeah. So that that's so, oh God, it warms my soul so much to hear you say that. Um, it, it's how I try to operate uh, a lot of times when I do have the privilege. That's why I try to try to talk. Welcome back, uh, by the way. <laughs> I about had a major breakdown, dude. I, if we lost all this recording, you don't know how upset I was going to be. Yeah, no, I think you're, you're still good. Um, so, so what I want to say to that though is, and he, here's the really hard part for, for all of us, for all of us in this room, the hard part is, uh, when we occupy the privileged position, right? So for you as a white person, for me as a man, for me as an able-bodied person, for me, right? All, all the ways that we're privileged. Sure, sure. We are the ones who need to extend grace first. Yes. We're the ones who need to extend grace first. And what I mean by that is just to just to put it in my context, if I'm if I have have used a, a, a word that was offensive to one of my female friends. Right. And they come at me and they're like, see, this is that bullshit. This is why men don't understand and, and men need to blah, blah, blah. Right. Like and they come at me real, real aggressive. My response can't be hey, I was, I'm a nice guy. Like, what are you talking about? I'm not like all men. I have women friends, right? Like, right my response needs right. to be, my response needs to be, I'm so sorry. Thank you. Thank you for, 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 for correcting me. I'm sorry that I put you in that position to need to do that because I'm pretty sure that probably gets pretty tiring for you to constantly have to, you know, put men in their place. Um, and I take, I take your, your, your help that you give me in this way. And, I, and I'm, I'm very grateful and gracious about that. And wow. that's so hard to do, <laughs> but it's our responsibility when we occupy the privileged space because people who are oppressed or people who are on the bottom, that interaction is not the first time they had to deal with that, <laughs> right? It, it, right? It comes from constantly feeling, you know, just constantly being bombarded with all these messages and all these messed up, you know, interactions and racism, sexism, homophobia, right? Blah, blah, blah. And, and so that outburst, while you might be like, hey, I'm so offended that you came at me that way. It's just their expression of multiple instances of frustration that you can't even comprehend. So I wanted to, to say that. It's crazy yeah. that I'm just trying to think about how different things could be like, I always uh, like, like if our first, if our first response was empathy and I'm not good at this either. So I'm saying this knowing that it's something I need to work on as well. But if our first response to really any situation was to go to, to see it through the lens of empathy or just to start there. And I mean, a lot of times, you know, you talk about the, the woman coming at, you know, 
doing that whole thing. And, and your natural response is to go, I, I didn't I, look, I've got all kinds of women friends or black friends or Muslim mm-hmm. friends or whoever. And even if you can't fully, even just the starting place for me, I always say like, even if you can't get there, like here, just start here. In your head if, if you can't, if you can't start with the head, the head will catch up. Lead, lead with the heart in, in situations like that. And the heart is an empathetic place. It's, it's, it's why it's the seat of the emotion in, in our culture. If we start with the heart and we lead with empathy, the head will catch up. All of a sudden, yeah. my head will catch up and go, oh, because empathy leads us to listen. And listening leads us to understand. Right. Right. That's so it's, true. And that, that's so deep. I like that a lot. And I, what I would add, too, is like the heart is not the part that, feels like it's owed anything it's the head that comes in and says well if you can't appreciate how kind and generous i'm being then i don't need to extend that to you right no like everybody does no matter how you come at me oh that's okay my heart is going to lead i love that thank you for that that's so true man i feel i feel like we could talk about this for hours i know we could talk about this for hours (laughs) yeah Um, i feel like i have like a new friend no i I really mean that because i feel like i'm connecting with you on a on a on a like a deeper mental psychological level that um you're connecting with him on a human level Mm. that's the problem that's the start of it yeah 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 Yeah. is that we oftentimes connect with people in a lot of ways but we forget to just interact as two humans as part of the same bigger picture, you know, cause we're all just doing the best we can with what we've got in a lot of ways. Right. I love how you said that Nichols. I think that's so true. And I thought the same thing. I mean, I've just really appreciated this conversation and I, I hope that people listening appreciate it. I hope that we can all leave here and be a little bit further along on, on the, on the journey than when we started this conversation. I really genuinely feel like I am. I'm so grateful for this conversation, Jamal. Absolutely. It's been so good. Yeah. Man. Uh, that's so nice of you guys to say. Yeah, likewise, likewise. I mean, I like I said, I'll say it a thousand times. I do not have a monopoly on the wisdom about this. You know, I, I've thought about it maybe a little more than most, but uh, I learned something about myself. I learned something about you guys. Um, yeah. And my faith in our ability to move forward on this increases every time these kinds of conversations happen. I think they're, they're so powerful. That. Mm-hmm. thanks so much for hanging with us man um we'd love to have you on again one day so maybe we can arrange that and uh, you know this conversation is not a one and done conversation this conversation has to keep happening you know right that's true whether that's, that's us true. three or anybody we got to keep this momentum going that's so really thank powerful. you yeah thank you so much man i really appreciate you reaching out and being open to having this kind of conversation and you know one of the things that i'm the most grateful for is the fact that survivor opened me up to making these kinds of connections because this doesn't happen right if yeah, i if right. it wasn't on this weird behind show so yeah um it really opened up my opportunity to have these these kinds of connections with people so it's really yeah. beautiful well man we'll uh we'll conclude it for tonight and right. uh man this has been so good so thank you again and best wishes and we'll catch up soon thank absolutely you, thank you jamal later everybody All right. Thanks for checking it out. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Don't forget to go check out some of our previous episodes. And as always, go check us out on Instagram, Facebook, like, subscribe, all the rest of the things. And we'll see you next time.